Following is a class given by His Holiness Jaya Pataka Swami Maharaj on April 25th, 1982 at New Orleans, Louisiana, USA. The class begins with a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 7th Canto, Chapter 15, Verse 40. Understanding itself and the super self. 
the Supreme Personality of Godhead, both of whom are transcendentally situated. If both of them can be understood when one is purified by advanced knowledge, for what reason for whom does a foolish person maintain the body for sin satisfaction? Translation is repetition. The human form of body, the human form of body is meant for understanding. And the supreme self, the supreme personality of God, the supreme personality of God, both of whom are transcendentally situated. If both of them can be understood, when one is purified, when one is purified, by advanced knowledge, for what reason, for what reason, and for whom? Does a foolish greedy person maintain the body for sense gratification? The human form of body is meant for understanding the self and the super self, the supreme personality of God, both of whom are transcendentally situated. If both of them can be understood when one is purified by advanced knowledge, for what reason and for whom? Does a foolish, greedy person maintain the body for sense gratification? Report by Shiva Prabhupada. Of course, everyone in this material world is interested in maintaining the body for sense gratification. But by cultivating knowledge, one should gradually understand that the body is not the self. Both the soul and the super soul are transcendental to the material world. This is to be understood in the human form of life, especially when one takes sannyasa. A sannyasa, one who has understood the self, should be engaged in elevating the self and associating with the super-self. Our Krishna conscious movement is meant to elevate a living being for promotion back home, back to Godhead. Seeking such elevation is one's duty in the human form of life. Unless one performs this duty, why should one maintain the body? Especially if a sannyasi not only maintains the body by ordinary means, but does everything to maintain the body, including even eating meat and other abominable things, he must be a lampaka. A greedy person simply engages in such gratification. A sannyasi must specifically remove himself from the urges of the tongue, belly, and genitals which disturb one as long as one is not fully aware that the body is separate from the soul. Thus ends the purpose by inspiring grace that Eti Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada. Canto 7, Chapter 15, Text 14. One day Lord Chaitanya Nityananda were walking from Navadip to Shantipur to see a Dwaita Gosai. When they crossed the Jalandi River and were heading, I decided again, one sannyasi, somewhat dressed as a sannyasi, invited them to please come to this ashram. So, they went to this ashram, and he gave them a nice seat, please be seated, sit down. And this way, they took their seat, and they were very nicely treated by that Sanyasi, of course, seemed to be a little bit impersonal because he was starting to lecture to Lord Chaitanya, being a grihasa. He thought he was sannyasi. So he started to lecture how one should perform various kinds of sacrifices to get material 
has thirty and ultimately liberation. The Lord Chaitanya, he had some discussion with him and discredited that this was the actual goal of life by asking some other questions. But this person was very hard to penetrate. Then the person said, please accept some food from my humble ashram. And he sat down a plate, gave some food. And then he came out with a bottle of wine. He said, here's some wine. Please take some wine. And he had some other intoxication, I think, also. Once he saw that, he said, wow. This person is a bogus yogi. This person is a bogus yogi. And he and his uncle looked at each other. They jumped up and with their clothes they ran and jumped into the ganyan. <laughs> and thinking themselves very contaminated to have accepted anything from such a sannyasi who was uh, taking wine and other intoxication. So, this is quite unusual because the scholars try to analyze that here Lord Chaitanya, obviously as a super soul, he must have known. Yet he accepted the hospitality of this uh, yogi, while others stayed out my body to refuse, absolutely. So in this way, they can understand that it was slightly better to be a person attached to sense gratification than to be a straight out my body. In any case, both of them are bogus. Both of them have left the pure path of God consciousness. One of them is envious against God, and the other one is centered around the body, very attached to the body. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his mission is to reestablish the pure principles of religion, whereby one is not Wasting his time simply in sense gratification. Not a servant of the senses, not a godasa, but a goswami. Go means senses, swami means master. One who is the master of the senses. What is devotional service? Devotional service has been described by Narada Muni in his Narada Pasratri. Uh, Sarvapadi Vajam Vaktam Tadparate Naniyam Balam Rishikena Rishikesha Sevadam Vakyarus That one who is engaged in devotional service is Sarvapadi Vajam Vaktam Upadi means designation. He is free from all designation. Tadparate Naniyam Balam And he is completely purified from material contamination. In this world, everyone is running under a certain label, either as an American or a Chinese or a Cuban or a South American or an Indian, or the label as a liberal, as a conservative, as a Democrat, as a Republican, as a hippie, as a redneck, or something. Everyone has got some kind of label, and they identify themselves with these labels as their designation. But Pure devotional service means one has transcended all types of bodily designation, rich, poor, thin, fat, ugly, beautiful, doesn't identify anymore as the body, but identifies as the pure spirit soul. Therefore, Sarvu body, the near mukta, is free from all types of superficial, artificial, 
and materialistic designation. But at the same time, he situated in purity. Therefore, he starts collecting a near wrong. Mal means dirt. And near wrong means no dirt. No contamination. Such Paraklana. Paraklana means he's transcendental, therefore he's free from all contamination. But how does he become transcendental? That is also revealed in the third stanza. Rishikena Rishikesha. Sevanam. Sevanam means to serve. And Rishikena means the senses. Rishikesha means the master of the senses. Krishna. With these senses, one serves the master of the senses. By doing so, one is elevated to the transcendental platform. That's what is described as devotional service. One uses the senses for serving the master of the senses. Normally people use their senses to serve the objects of the senses. The objects of the senses are served by the senses. The mind is coordinating the senses. The intelligence it's guiding the senses, or guiding the mind, and the soul is being carried along. Everything is going from the spiritual platform down to serving the gross material object of the senses. The spiritual life is exactly the opposite. The soul is surrendered to Krishna. The intelligence is gauged in the service of the soul. The mind is controlled by the intelligence. Mind controls what it thinks about. The mind controls the senses, engaging them. And the senses take the object of the senses and engages in Krishna's service. And this way everything is directed upward towards Krishna. That is called Goswami. When one is servant of the senses, everything is being directed down to dead matter. So when one is directing it down to dead matter, that means he's strictly under. The stringent laws of material nature is forced to suffer and enjoy in so many different ways. When one is directing everything up to Rishikesha, the master of the senses, then he immediately becomes liberated. One who engages his mind, words, and activities in the service of Krishna is already considered liberated. If everything is engaged in the service of Krishna, mind, words, intelligence, activities, then that person is already considered liberated. This is the meaning of Sridhandi Samyaya, to engage mind, words, and intelligence in the service of Krishna. That is real renunciation. Again, here Prabhupada, it mentioning the type of sannyasi who is eating meat and other abominable things. We find that many Indian yogis, or sannyasi, so-called sannyasi, when they come to the West, they take up these bad habits. Some of them, even in India, are maintaining this type of a bad habit, but they wear the cross of a sannyasi. But here Prabhupada gives his opinion, he must be a lakata. He must be a <coughs> sense satisfier to be engaged in such a normal activity. To be an actual sannyasi, an actual renounced person, one would have to follow the rules and regulations given in the scriptures. Another point here is that if one is habituated to eating meat and other abominable things, then it must be very hard for him to control his mind and senses. 
especially his sex desire and other material desires. But because he's habituated to eating food in a mode of passion and ignorance, therefore his mind will become very uncontrollable and become very angry. So, I personally experienced that uh, many of the high school, before the high school, I think probably college also, before the uh, school sends out their team to play football, they feed them raw meat. Just slightly so that they get the blood and they can go out there and fight. That's the idea. So, a person is what he eats. If you eat like a tiger, then you won't be like a saintly person. You'll be more like a tiger or a lion. Today, modern society is creating men and women who are more uh, in the tiger lioness category because of the habits of their eating and living. They naturally become very passionate, they become very angry, and at the slightest uh, cause, they lose their temper. And uh, how can such a situation actually bring peace, peace in the world? So people have good habits, if people have a spiritual goal, then automatically people will be very peaceful, they'll be very satisfied, and even in difficulty, their mind will be steady. Tigers eat meat, cows eat uh, various other animals, they eat uh, vegetables. So, naturally what we eat is going to have a lot to say in how we think and act. God friends, if this lovely animal, don't eat them. I was just seeing yesterday in the newspaper, it said how they cruelty the animal society. They have a shoot on sight, dog shoot on sight order in some place, and then the cruelty animals was objecting that they didn't like that. So, of course, the way the cruelty to animal society could really be sincere is if they themselves became all vegetarian. I don't think that that's going to be. Anyway, it's another aspect. So, here, what is a human form of body meant for? Human form of body is not meant for simply to read the senses. It's meant for understanding the self and the super The Supreme Personality of Godhead. When Lord Chaitanya came to Navadvi, he was first of all enjoying pastimes of what they know as Vidya Vila. Pastimes of he became the greatest scholar in Sanskrit. This was just as Krishna enjoyed playing with the cows, he enjoyed discussing with the scholars. Even at the age of 14, he had become the greatest scholar in Mother Greek. Of course, the other devotees, when they saw this, they were thinking that this Nimai Pandit is such a great scholar, only he had devotion. <laughs> Only he had devotion to Krishna. They were praying like that. Then he could see of something. Otherwise, what is the reason? The devotees, they always have a very pragmatic view on these things. Of course, this was about Chaitanya's pastime to disguise himself in this way and to enjoy this way. Lord Chaitanya, at the age of 14, he was already the master 
He was already a school teacher of people that were even much older than him. And he would travel around Navajit with his students following behind him. And when anyone, any other scholar saw him, they said, oh no, I'm a foreigner. Because immediately Lord Chaitanya would say, Oh, Mr. Paracharya! Oh, Mr. Professor! Whatever the other... Come here, come here, how are you? And then he was, uh, you know, like a dragon. And immediately he would barrage him with so many questions. Can you... We are humble students of grammar. Can you give us some instruction today? And then he would ask a question which was, you know, so sticky that the person would immediately start sweating. <laughs> what does this mean? And then, you know, playing very humble and very... And then the person would be completely uh, dumbfounded by his question. And Lord Chaitanya would, would uh, give the answer, and the person would, you know, bow down like in defeat. And then the other people would, uh, all the students, you know, would be... <laughs> this way it was like, and a lot of scholars, it was uh, like war. He would go around and then... So in this way, finally, everyone was accepting it. Right on this scholarship is unbelievable. He's, he's able to understand everything. Of course, Mukunda at that time was a few devotees, was a devotee, but he was also a little bit absorbed in the scholastic side. So he was keeping away from what Chaitanya as many other devices. And they thought that, well, what Chaitanya is listening to the grammatical and different Bukunda was, he was thinking that what he's done here is a grammar student. He doesn't know about the finest aspects, poetic, alankara, and uh, other uh, garments. Alankara means the poetic uh, renditions like uh, similes and blend rhymes and so on. So, but the same thing happened when Chaitanya would be walking around Navajit with his students. And then he saw Makunda. He said, Makunda, why are you hiding from me? Why are you not coming around anymore? <laughs> so then Makunda said, well, okay, now he's cornered me. <laughs> now I'm going to... He doesn't know about poetics. <laughs> well, you are only a grammar student. You are a teacher of grammar. I am more interested now in the Sanskrit poetry. And the Sanskrit uh, poetic understanding, and what do you know about that? Well, she can say, well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you say, you, you, uh, you tell me, and I'll see if I know. You tell me some verse, and you tell me what are the, what are the high points and what are the low points. So then the Sunday quoted a verse, and he pointed out these are the high points, these are the low points, these are the Qualities and these are the uh, these are the faults, no faults. And then Lord Chaitanya would take the verse and further dissect it in so many different ways that Prabhupada never understood and then give various references from all types of scriptures. And Prabhupada said, How did this person know every scripture in the world? <laughs> Which he didn't even study. Did he knew what he was grown up in Abhidhya, he was there with him at that point. And he knew that he never studied this Purana, he never studied this Purana. How did he know by heart every sloka of every scripture that was ever written? <laughs> How is it? <laughs> and so then he was completely defeated by Lord Chaitanya. He said, listen, you think about it. <laughs> and you come back tomorrow and uh, we'll discuss this. 
So, in the same way, we call it Gadana, who was avoiding him. And in this way, Lord Chaitanya was enjoying his, uh, his scholarly pastime. Sometimes only Vaishnavas would come up to him and say, What is the use of all your education if you don't engage in Krishna? They would chastise him. Without Krishna Bhakti, there's no use to this chanting stuff. You see, I must tell you the truth that I want to engage in devotional service. I'm just waiting until I meet that pure Vaishnava who can inspire me with the teaching. And just for a little time longer, I'll be enjoying the scholastic pursuit. And this way, he was encouraged against it. In this way, Lord Chaitanya, he was enjoying with all these scholars. And sometimes Lord Chaitanya would actually be absorbed in intense ecstasy, would be manifest, completely manifesting ecstatic symptoms. But people, at that time, he would explain it when suddenly, uncontrollably, when he was describing a verse of Krishna, which he chanted to Krishna. Not that he was not at all. He was also teaching all his Sanskrit grammar by the names of Krishna even then. And he was always uh, arguing. He had a discussion with Gadadha. Well, Gadadha said, he asked him, what is the meaning of Mukti? Gadadha said, the meaning of Mukti, according to one of the Upanishads, means that that situation in which all types of misery is destroyed. And the Lord Chaitanya did this. That is not the highest liberation. And then he quoted so many Vaishnava chapters and proved highest standard of liberation is actually Krishna Bhakti, pure devotion to Krishna. Even though at that time Lord Chaitanya was establishing pure devotional service, but superficially that was not his only preoccupation at that time, he was also engaging so many scholars and teaching. In this way he was at the age of 14 and 15, he was enjoying Navadvip as the king of all the pandas. So at that time, I think I told you about Jesus as many times. How did he get it? How How Mumbaka Goswami met the Kumaras and then how it was predicted he would come back and say, Yeah, I'm ready. Or does that mean how Jesus says, Is that what you said? No. So, Jesus says, Many was going and defeating scholars all over India. And when he came to Navadri, of course, all the Navadri scholars were. Very worried that now they're going to lose their good name by being defeated by someone from somewhere else. So then they decided that they would say that the best person to meet, Keshe Kashmiri, was Nimai. By accident they met in a private place. So they introduced each other. But Keshe presented himself very humbly as just a student of grammar and knowing a few things. And then that Keshe Kashmiri was a great 
what they know of. To know grammar is the basic, but to actually be able to compose Sanskrit uh, verses, poetry, is a very uh, advanced stage. In these days, Sanyasis uh, are very strict, scholars are very strict. Only the worshippers of, uh, of certain demigods would actually ever take any uh, meat. All these people were very strict, very strict vegetarians, very strict in their behavior. So, the differences were always on a philosophical level. Here, Nagadeep, when Kesha Kajmani and Lord Kesha met, then Lord Kesha asked Kesha Kajmani to, to like to hear something from him, of his poetic skills, but to chant the hundred, they are chants, some poetry and praise, compose some verses and praise and began it. The case of Kajmani, just like the wind, he composed 100 verses for the Gandhi. And those verses were uh, just like that composed, original verses of poetry, one after another, just like the wind. It's very difficult, even in English, how can one to make a poetry? I'm sure that one may have experience, usually takes a little bit of time. But he was able to compose just one, two, three, four, five, six, one after another, one hundred. He was a worshipper of Mother Saraswati, the goddess of learning, and one of the consorts of servitors of Lord Krishna. So he was able to rattle off those verses so quickly, he was feeling very proud of himself. And he asked Lord Chaitanya what he thought. So Lord Chaitanya very discreetly said that, well, I find many praiseworthy uh, points and put only a few defects. Could you, could you kindly tell me what were the high points and what were the defects in your poetry? It's a great assumption that uh, what do you mean by defects in my poetry? I can tell you the Guna Dor, the quality and the high point of the order. But uh, there are many good points and there are some defects. The case of Kajmeri was a little bit stunned that some young person was already saying that he had defects in his poetry, so he said, all right, you tell me what are the high points, but I don't find any defects in my poetry. So then what they tell you picked out the verse right in the middle of the hundred, showing that he had completely memorized upon hearing all the hundred verses, which itself is founded, case of Kesha Kesha, is if there's one thing which is harder than composing a hundred verses, as fast as the way just to memorize them, just as you hear them like that. It's very difficult to do. So, Lord Chaitanya had completely memorized all of the verses, as soon as he said them, and then he picked out one, and he'd already taken it apart and pointed out to so of course that's a detailed test the thing is I think it's described chicken also. So anyway he took out one of the six or eight good points first and then he showed what it was the bad points the points that were he showed the good and the bad points. In case of Tasmini was astonished that uh, this scholar has able to defeat him in that way 
Because even when he took out the verse of the other, any bad points, he couldn't pick out what was a bad point. But then Lord Chaitanya showed these are the bad points, and he showed these are the good points. So that's the case which I made, he went back to his uh, place where he was staying. And that night he was praying and praying to Mother Tarsus. He said, Why do you have allowed me to be defeated by this young person? Why did my intelligence get covered? I couldn't see the defects in my torture. I, could, I was so illusioned by false pride that I was embarrassed in this way by my, uh, by just a young man. Then he went to sleep that night. Mother Saraswati appeared to him in a dream and told him that you should know that that person is my eternal husband. He's my eternal master. And therefore, you should surrender unto him. In any case, many, you couldn't understand how a person could have such ability to memorize his focus. When Mother Tarsus told him, no, this is Krishna himself. This is my master, he should surrender to him. Then he could understand that he was his and the wife. This made sense to him. And how someone could have such extraordinary abilities that he never experienced in any human being. Then he went to and surrendered to Lord Chaitanya, Lord Chaitanya revealed his original form in the spiritual world, like Krishna and others. So in this way, there are so many devotees who have gotten some mercy from spiritual master, just like in Bhagavad got the mercy, then he could come back and say, should try to Similarly, there was a king called Suvara, and that king, he also worshipped Lord Chaitanya thousands of years ago. I think I, he took the I'm not sure. No, that day I didn't go. I don't know if they actually took the, uh, the party, the Christian party to that place. But there are the ruins of, from thousands and thousands of years, ancient from the 19, 900th, uh, year, uh, 980 or these, these, uh, these, uh, cars, stone arches and other ruins of the ancient kingdom of Suvarna. The king Suvarna, he was a very materialistic person, but he somehow other was instructed to worship Lord Chaitanya, and he had the darshan of Lord Chaitanya at Mayapur, thousands of years before Lord Chaitanya appeared, and he was told that he would come back as uh Khan in Lord Chaitanya's passion. So this is the basic principle that someone engaged in the Lord's service. After he leaves the body, then he will be transferred to that universe, or that place, or the same universe that the Lord is coming, where he will be able to take part in the Lord's pastime. And from there, then one is transferred back to the spiritual sky. This is a basic program. By engaging our mind in the service of Krishna, then we are drawn back to Krishna. If we engage our mind in the senses, then we're drawn to the senses. Mr. Saulbert said, if you put ten dogs in a room and ask them to be quiet, will they ever be quiet? So simply throw food and line up, take it, divide it up, you know. Now the whole human society is based on a very strong competition. And this competitive nature is not 
to please is to be with Narigaya, to who can please his senses at the highest rate. And in this way, by pleasing their senses, the senses satisfy the senses. Their senses becoming more and more degraded, more and more degraded into animalistic. <coughs> so therefore, you find Argentina and England fighting over a piece of rock, but <laughs> it doesn't uh, even grow anything, but just shrubs to feed the seed. You find India and China fighting over a piece of the Himalayan uh, in the wilderness, where you find America and Vietnam fighting over a piece of swamp. Because no one knows exactly why, but they know that they can't back down because of this and that consideration. Because they're all simply engaged in sense gratification. The Krishna kind movement doesn't mean that there might not be fighting, but if there is fighting, it's meant for defending the principles of Krishna. It's not meant for defending simply some sense of gratification. It's meant for actually defending the principles of Krishna consciousness. The people are maintaining their body at such a great expense and at such a great endeavor, but they don't have any understanding what is the purpose. Lord Chaitanya, by showing these pastimes, also is illustrating that even one is the greatest scholar, not complete unless there's actually devotion to Krishna. Even one may know, and in India you'll get people that even know the scriptures, but they know it in a theoretical way, they don't actually practice it, they don't actually engage in devotional service. That type of knowledge of the scriptures is also not desirable. One must actually become a devotee. This is described by Krishna himself in the sloka. Now may that if someone knows all these four Vedas by heart, but he's not my devotee, he's not as dear to me as my devotee, even if he's born in an ignorant family, even if he's born in a family of a dog eater. Whatever he offers, that you should accept. He is as worshipable as I am. This is Krishna's verdict that the pure devotee, he may be from any background or any family, but he is the most purified person because he is Worshipping me, he has become, he has become one with me in spiritual quality. Therefore, whatever he gives, you should accept. This verse, I was invited to the, this one of, a temple which is called the Tirumal Temple of Vishnu. It is a temple dating back from the Satya Yuga in Madurai. And there the Ramanuja Sampradaya arranged a special full greeting for me as the Acharya of the Madhva Gaudiya Sampadaya. And one of the Ramanuja Acharyas also uh, was present. So they had the elephant give a garland over my head. The elephant bowed down to the garland with his trunk, put it over the head. And then the elephant uh, you know, gave a trumpet. Then they had a Shanai and drum players. And we went into the temple and they gave the full Tukti, Avishek, Didi, Arti, take the uh, shoes of the Didi, put them on our head, take garments from the Didi's uh, body and 
putting them around that head. And so many different ceremonies that lasted for about an hour and a half. And people were prostrating when they saw it and everything. And wherever he went, there was the band going in front with a full Purna Kumba, with a installed Kumba with coconut going in front. And people with chamars and a big uh, umbrella over the head. The whole, and we circumambulated the deity. Their philosophy is that the servant of Vishnu is almost on the same level as Vishnu. Therefore, the servants all wear diamonds, earrings, and so many things. <laughs> so they are giving a full uh, reception ceremony, what would be a total of the 21 heavens of Luke. <laughs> and afterwards, the Ramanujacharya was lecturing to a crowd of about 2,000 there, and he quoted the same verse. They may want us to do baby, but want us to show that the real qualification of who is dear to Vishnu and who is worshipable is who is the devotee. And therefore he was explaining to the South Indians who are very much deep in caste, Brahmanism and so many other conceptions that you should worship and respect the pure devotees of the Lord and not see them with any kind of bodily consciousness. So, this is one of the purposes of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement was to actually establish a real standard not based upon any designation, simply based upon pure devotional service, transcendental activity, transcendental realization. As long as the world is hung up on artificial, superficial designation on the material platform, then there will always be different kinds of envy, different kinds of fighting, simply for some gratification. Because everyone will misplace their energy, misplace their attachment, and thus waste the value of the human life. Human life is meant to get above all the artifice of designation, above all the sense-gratificatory activities, and actually engage oneself in the real pursuit of human life, which is described very nicely in this verse. The human form of body is meant for understanding the self and the super-self of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, both of whom are transcendentally situated. If both of them can be understood when one is purified by advanced knowledge, for what reason and for whom does a foolish, greedy person maintain the body for sense gratification? Any questions? Yes? understood I'm not this body. Then you act like that. You eat, but you only eat Krishna Prasada. You speak, but you only speak words which are useful for the service of Krishna. And you think, but you don't think how to make nice arrangements for my body, but you think how to make nice arrangements for the service of Krishna. Which naturally includes maintaining the body to serve Krishna not to enjoy sense gratification. That person is already considered liberated. It doesn't mean that one has to see the soul uh, in realization 
to engage in this kind of salvation. But one can thoroughly understand that he is a spirit soul and acts accordingly. And by acting in that consciousness, automatically he becomes elevated and liberated. And realization is just the consummate natural development of that Even a person who is the householder, if he can thoroughly understand this uh, principle, then it's also considered to be a sannyasi or someone who is in the transcendental. How can you compare here so-called sannyasi who is maintaining his body, eating meat, and other abominable things, some of the bogus people that uh, claim to be sannyasi as one? How can you compare them with it? person in Krishna consciousness who is a Grihastha Brahmachari following the principles of Krishna consciousness is unlimited times one man and on the transcendental platform that these materialists and the garbage can't remember. The point is you maintain the body but what for? If we simply maintain the body for sense gratification then we're simply getting more and more educated into a miserable condition. So human, if we have a human form of life, why should we simply maintain it to enjoy happiness which is available in the animal species? Simply maintaining a body for sense gratification. It's like simply maintaining a car so that it can burn gas. But you don't use it to drive it. You just can't drive it around and around so you can set gas. Using a body just so you can just so you can use it. Just so you can, you know. Pass the time, but there's no there's no use for it. You may get a little sense gratification. At the same time, you're going to be constantly tearing it and, and suffering various kinds of miseries from it. So you're simply wasting your time. So you got a brand new car, you're riding it just like in I heard in Arabia. They don't have any place to go. They're in a little small country. Abu Dhabi and all these places. So sometimes the sheep, they they build a big uh, four-lane highway. Eight-lane highway or something out into the desert. It goes out about ten miles to the border of the country. It doesn't go, then it stops. There's no other highway on the other side. And they drive out, and they turn around, and they drive back. So sometimes the sheep, they they build a big uh, four-lane highway. Eight-lane highway or something out into the desert. It goes out about ten miles to the border of the country. It doesn't go, then it stops. There's no other highway on the other side. And they drive out, and they turn around, and they drive back. <laughs> you have to have someone to drive. They got these big cars, and they, you know, they have a highway they drive out. There's nowhere to go, we don't need it, you know. Big cars don't have a country as big as the Manhattan. Big oil wells. So this is the uh, thing, we're maintaining a body, but if we're just maintaining it, without any other purpose except to make the body feel comfortable, what's the use? Especially, what's the use when you can realize real spiritual realization and you can actually go somewhere, you can get out of this hole, then why waste the time simply driving around like that if there's something better to do? If you have nothing better to do, all right. When there is something better, when you can become Krishna conscious, when you can realize the self and the super self, why waste time 
like a little kid running around in circles, simply running after the wind of these senses. People work so hard making big, big factories, but the ultimate purpose is so they can get a bigger house, so they can have more power, so they can have... It's not to really help the people, although they may be a side benefit, but uh, materially speaking. The basic thing is always sense gratification for themselves or even for others. The point is, since there is a higher purpose of life, which they can achieve, why should they waste their time? something which is going to just be seen like a sand castle anymore. If they do so, it means that they lack, they lack common sense and become foolish indeed. Mothers, yes? Oh, why not? The the Prabhupada's godbrothers are next to invisible. I was at three world Hindu conferences and three Kumamelas. And at the world Hindu conference, they have the main dais with the Dalai Lama, with the Ramanuja Sampradaya, Madhva Sampradaya, Sankaracharya Sampradaya, and on the main dais there I'm sitting. And then the Gaudiya Mat, they they're off in the peanut gallery. They don't even, but most of the time they don't even show up. They're way off and they don't do any preaching. It's amazing. They don't go to Kumamela, they don't set up a camp in the Kumamela, they don't attend any of the big conferences. You don't see them hardly anywhere doing anything. They open up, if they'll get, if you, if someone, if they meet some donor who agrees to build a temple somewhere, they'll go there and they build a temple, they ring the bell, they go out in the morning and house to house, collect rice, cook it up, offer it to the deity, eat and sleep. That's what they program is. They don't print any books, they don't distribute any books. Somehow or another they beg and get a temple built, then they just have brahmacharis there, do the puja, do the arati, and go around and beg and maintain the temple by any means. There's people in the same city that don't even know where the temple... We were in Madras. The name of the, of the road is called Gaudiya Mat Street, or Gaudiya Mat Road. We were asking people on the road, where is the Gaudiya Mat? People that lived there for 30 years said that we know that this road is Gaudiya Mat, but we don't know what Gaudiya Mat means, and we don't know where it is. We couldn't find people to tell us where the, where the temple was. Even the name of the street, like the Hare Krishna Road, we ask people, where's the Hare Krishna Road? And everybody knows where we are. But if you have uh, Gaudiya Mat Road, nobody knows where it is. Then our devotees went there and they asked them, how is the preaching going? <laughs> and they became offended. They became offended. They said, preaching, we don't preach, we practice. They think that, some of them think that preaching is my or something. I don't know what they think, but they think that you should practice, you should just do your sadhana bhakti, you should do your ashramam, and then you should 
And if anybody comes into the door, <laughs> then you can also engage him in that. They don't, they don't, I don't see that how they're the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta in a real sense. I don't see it. I don't see that they're doing anything that Bhakti Siddhanta asks them to do. There are God brothers and that level. I don't see only one or two of them is doing something right. A little bit of preaching on a very basic level. But most of them, all they can do is uh, maintain themselves. And that they can't even do. The temples are falling apart. Prabhupada well, used to cry when he saw those temples. He said, one thing I requested is don't let my temples fall apart. At least maintain them. You see, I, I took a network on there's some temples that they take in the deities the way the temples are falling down and deserted it. And even the main temples they have, they can't even put their color on those. But they can repair them. So we asked, Prabhupada said that I want you to, he gave me money and he said, please, they have, they have never built a kirtan hall in 50 years, you know, in, in uh, 35 years to 40 years, Bhakti-Sudan started number one, a kirtan hall built at the birthplace of Lord Chaitanya. He goes there, he has to stand in the rain in the sun, maybe he can get under a tree, but otherwise there's nothing there. Now, it was always a plan to have a kirtan hall. The Prabhupada gave me money and said, Christmas, go there and request them. We'll build them a kirtan hall. This will have, he just put my name there, Bhaktivedanta Sana, kirtan hall. And then, apart from that, it's theirs, it's a complete gift. We don't have any claim over it, it's completely theirs, and they can do, you know, what they like. And I've been approaching them for four years, five years now. And this one could go to that one, and this and that. They just, they'd rather not have what they can in this place developed than have this kind of all development. Or to give anything. They're not able to do, but then they don't want anyone else who's able to do to do anything. So it's best not even to talk or think about the Gaudiya Mutt. One time Prabhupada told us that dead or alive, you should not be involved. The ballers in our courtyard, we have to carry on the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu of Bhakti Siddhanta. When this time gets on, if we can convince any of them to join this time, and accept the Prabhupada system, Bhakti Siddhanta system as it is, then there's hope. Otherwise, there's no other goal for, uh, for preaching. This is Prabhupada, always requested them to come and to join this time. But uh, that we don't like to do. When they will like to do that, then I'm sure they'll be able to do something. In the meantime, we have to carry out very carefully to the Prabhupada's instructions. Standing for distribution, preaching, all over the world, and cooperating together for that purpose. How is this for a poorly skilled religion? How do you think it's a who? Who 
that's some of the, you know, so what he did is he got books and he sat there and said, you know, he can't get He made enough of the things that they gave him vegetarian food anyway, but uh, <laughs> even if he didn't want to answer, he has no choice. That's another thing. But prison uh, is the best place for practicing Krishna consciousness. It's very out there. Mm-hmm. You have nothing else to do but chant Hare Krishna and if you have a book, that's even better. It's very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. But Haridas Thakur, when he was put into the prison, then he told the uh, prisoners that you are very fortunate. Because they were also here in the prison, were very unfortunate. We get out and we're going to be happy. So you're here, you're forced to avoid so much sense gratification. So here you can simply chant Hare Krishna and you can absorb yourself in transcendental realization. And then you actually get liberated. Even when you're out of the prison, you're still bound to your senses, you're still bound to be birth. It's still bound to love karma. So whether in or out, it's still in the vision of this material world. So while you're in this material vision, it's a good opportunity to just stand by Krishna because there's no distraction. And then you can actually be liberated from the real vision of this material world. And so the whole vision starts to chant Hare Krishna. And then the person that put Hare Krishna in the vision was because he was a Mohammedan who became a devotee of Krishna. So when he heard that all of the prisoners, Mahavala and Hindu, everyone was chanting Hare Krishna, then he said, this person is a very poisonous person. <laughs> so they took him out and they told him that he had to give up chanting Hare Krishna under, under the, under the penalty of death, under the severe punishment. The Haridas Thakur said, you can take my body and you can cut it into small pieces, kundo, kundo, but I won't ever give up chanting the Holy Name. To thy last breath, I'll be chanting the Hatham. So then he said, then the king said, in 22 marketplaces you'll be beaten. And they came to all the different marketplaces and stung them out and they listened. But he still never stopped saying how he beaten. In fact, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> so, the point is that even once in the prison, however one is, there's always an opportunity to practice this consciousness. In fact, prison house is one of the better places. There's less miles there. <laughs> you can't hide prison, that's the sense that uh, you have to maintain the body, but not, it's just like you have a car. Some people may have a car drive out in the desert and that. What's the use? If you have something that you can go, it's somewhere you can actually go. So the point is that you have a body, you can go somewhere with the body. Why do you maintain it? You can have it sit at home. Just for the sake of maintaining the body, not doing it. You can actually do something. So here we can do something and we can achieve realization of the self and the super self. We can see what's now your guys. Why should we maintain the body? Just to maintain the body, when you can do something with the eternal endowment, which is to realize yourself in the physical self. Well, we don't have a choice out of ignorance. When we do have a choice, then we should take it. If one is blocked in the association of a spiritual master, a devotee, a transcendentalist, and given the choice, that point one should be very careful not to use his life. That means to describe Ramanta Bhavati Kurobhat Jivan Ji Guru Krishna Prasari Bhai Mati Lakati 
one's wandering about in the universe, and by great fortune he comes in contact with transcendentalism. At that time he gets a seed of spiritual life by the mercy of the Guru and Krishna. The one who gets that, then it's at least to take the seed planted in the heart and planted into the water by hearing and chanting Hare Krishna, by cultivating the bottom of the and devotees, they take very good care of their body. They get up in the morning, they take a shower, they brush their teeth, shake their tongue, they put bandages on when they get cut, they take medicine when they get sick, whatever that is. And they take that very good care of their body. They take good care of their children. Because the body is meant for a higher purpose. They don't just take care of the people that have it. They don't just take care of their body. They take care Because that gratification over a certain limit is very bad for the body. Smoking cigarettes, eating, eating uh, all kinds of uh, flesh and things. <coughs> These are the causes of so much uh, cancer, so much uh, tuberculosis, and this and that. <coughs> to have unrestricted uh, sex life, causes so many different uh, disabilities and uh, so many other types of uh, diseases are all possible. So, actually, even to enjoy the body, Krishna consciousness. Let one enjoy the body up to the limit where it's uh, actually enjoyment. It doesn't hurt. Because it's just the kind of eating Krishna Prasada simultaneously is in the spiritual life that you're eating at the same time. The body is healthy. Why one enjoys is a, a, a pleasurable sense response is there when something is healthy. You eat something, if, if it smells nice, if it's juicy, if it's healthy, it has a fresh smell, it has a fresh taste, it's very pleasant, very sweet, touching it. That means that it's also very healthy for you. It's something which is rotten, which is a bad piece of smell, which is uh, been uh, decaying or dead for, for some time. <coughs> People in the world of ignorance say like that, that that's actually bad for the body. It creates so many poisons in the bloodstream. So even in terms of sense gratification, the devotees can maintain their body for spiritual life. Their senses are automatically gratified at the limit that is <coughs> healthy and proper. Beyond that, then uh, it's not even healthy. The fact that no one said it and the Lord has said it. It's like the river flowing down to the ocean, the Mississippi flowing. It just keeps on flowing. The water is continually flowing. So in the same way, 
person who's actually heading towards the absolute truth is not heading somehow the other scientist level. If we have to put our priority, put our goal, and then work for it, then under the guidance of, of uh, people who have established, who know the path, under the guidance of spiritual masters and the particular succession, and automatically we achieve progress step by step. When is the achievement program? When is the summer program? Thank you. 